Bethel. I am pumped for today. I'm, I'm totally excited as we are continuing our series, Expand, that we have got a special guest here with us today. It's one of my, my very, very good friends, uh, incredible, incredible partner in ministry that we have here uh, with Coastal. And, and so today we, we have the president of an organization called Children's Cup here with us today. Uh, they're part of the, they're the organization we partner with to feed kids in Africa and have our church in Africa as well. And so would you guys give a huge, huge, huge coastal welcome to one of my best friends, Pastor Ben Rogers. Come on, would you all give it up for him? Love you, man. There we go. Now am I now I can be like, hello! Oh, sorry. <clears throat> You're like, could you please shut that thing off again? Nope, that's great. Well, man, I'm so excited to be with you. I, I just, first of all, I want to say you guys have some incredible pastors. Would you would you agree with that? Come on. You would be hard pressed to find pastors that love people down to their down to their toenails as much as they do. I tell people I think that Pastor TJ lives loves people down to their toes. I think Pastor Shayla loves them down to their toenails. Would you would you agree? But I, I just want to say this to my friend TJ. You know what? There are a lot of great pastors in the world, and I believe you're one of them. But you're an even better person. Come on. And I, I wish I could say that about every pastor that I know. And, but if, if you're new to this church, there's an incredible couple leading this church that uh, just have a heart for people. So we, we're excited to be here. Uh, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you to you. Man, I don't know if you know this. You might be new to this church but every time that the offering plate goes by towards the end of service, they take up the tithes and offering, a portion of those funds get sent overseas, in, not just overseas, but here locally as well, as Pastor TJ was saying, to help people that are hurting around the world. And I want to just be an independent voice to say to you that you're making a difference through your giving. I, so many of you are sponsoring kids with Children's Cup, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later in the service. And I, so I want to say thank you to that. But above and beyond that, a portion of your tithes and offering go to help put the structure in place for there to be a church in this place called tu, uh, Tubalisha in Tajikistan, South Africa. You're helping to feed more than 500 kids every day. And yes, you're sponsoring a lot of those kids, but there's your resources through your tithes and offering are going to help over and above that for kids that literally would have to sell their bodies to have something to eat. That's the kind of difference that you're making here at Coastal Community Church. So I just want to say thank you to you for making such a huge difference. And so <clears throat> real quickly as we get started, I wanted to bring a message from the pastors that you help empower take the gospel into this really difficult place of South Africa. So will you take a look at the screens and help me welcome Pastor Jelly and his wife. Happy New Year, Coastal Community Church. We'd like to take this opportunity to extend our gratitude to you guys at Coastal for being a blessing here in Tubelisha and Jagastad. We are so thankful for everything that you guys you've been doing and uh, uh, I'd like to thank you and also for this year as we are starting this year 2018 that uh, we've seen that uh, some of the kids were being uh, enrolled and we are very excited about that. We want to say thank you so much and uh, bless you guys. We love you. We love you. Come on, there's some great people. I know that Pastor Jele has a, has a disability with his leg, and I love the fact that he doesn't let a disability stop him from taking the gospel 
from his bicycle riding miles to take the gospel to help these kids and to help people in his part of the world. And I love that. That's the kind of pastor that you're investing in in South Africa. So again, just a big, huge thank you for that. We, we appreciate that. I'm, I'm so honored to have my wife with me today. I, I get to come to Coastal every once in a while, but I think this is the first time I've got to be here with my wife. So can I just recognize my beautiful wife, Susan, for just a second? So <clears throat> I would tell you she's half crazy, and the reason she's half crazy is she's been married to me for 24 years. Can you believe that? Like every year at our anniversary, I'm like, so we made, you didn't leave me one more year. That's awesome. Yes, we made it. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I, I brought a picture of my family here too. Now, normal, normal people have normal pictures of their family. This picture is a crazy picture because I think it exemplifies our family. We're a little on the cray-cray side. Can you say crazy with me? So what do I mean by that? So my oldest daughter, Kayla, is, is 20. She's getting married in a few months, which is crazy. It's making me crazy, maybe making mom even more crazy. Can you say, oh, yeah? I have a 17-year-old son, Levi, that has a passion and believes that he can use video to motivate people of his generation to get off their butts and actually do something about some of the problems in this world. Would you say crazy? Come on. And I have a 14-year-old daughter, Trinity, that has already spoken in front of tens of thousands of people. She has just a gift on her life to minister to people like something I've never seen even out of adults. Can you say crazy? But I think one of the things that makes our family even more crazy is we, we have been willing to say yes to God in some situations that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Can you say, oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, I know this. This, I just want to unpack a little bit of my story because I believe God is bringing me here today to encourage you through my story and some of the things that God shared with me about getting out of your boat. And you say, well, Ben, what does that mean? Like, we're in Fort Lauderdale. There's lots of nice boats. Well, <clears throat> I believe that all of us, it's easy for us to be in kind of the boat of comfortable, of known, of normal, of this is what I can do, this is kind of my expectations, to trade that for the supernatural power of God working through you to do something incredible. Because I'm here today to tell you that God has an incredible vision for your life that is bigger than any of us are living. Yeah, I would even challenge Pastor TJ myself. I know that there's more of God's power than what I'm experiencing right now. Would any of you say maybe, oh yeah, to that? So, but to experience that, we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone, out of what's normal to the edge of what's possible for us so we can experience that. So our, the reason I say our family is kind of crazy is back when Susan and I were in our early 20s, which that was a little while ago. Come on, any 20-year-olds in the house? Whoop, whoop, a couple of you. Okay. So back when we were in our early 20s, we made this radical decision because up to that point, we'd grown up in church and we had attended church. Most people would say, hey, they're good Christians. But you know what? Really what we're doing is we're living our dream asking God to bless it. And we made the decision, a radical decision, to say, you know what? What's God's dream for our life? What does God want from us? Let's start saying yes to that, and let's start putting our dream on the back burner, and let's just see what happens. And I can tell you, that is crazy, crazy amazing. Because God took us and, and, yes, we had to deal with a lot of fear. And I, I can tell you all the reasons why God should not use me, the mistakes I've made in life. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I had a speech impediment when I was a kid that no one could understand me. Some of you are like, now I understand why I can understand him. <clears throat> but, you know, I come from Iowa. And, yes, I'm just going to put this out there. Susan is not my sister, okay? So let's just sort that out right now, okay? <laughs> Lots of Iowa jokes, okay? I don't have any pigs in my backyard, but... 
But you know what? I just wasn't set up to be the, the most successful person in the world back, you know, based on my beginnings. But I'm here to tell you, if God can use a below-average person like myself to do some incredible things, then what could God do with somebody like Pastor TJ tells me all the time that Coastal, everybody that comes here is above average. So what could God do with you? What, what, what could God do with you if you fully said yes to everything that he's asking you to do? That's what I'm here today to do is to motivate you, inspire you, encourage you to get out of the boat. And if I have to, I might have to give some of you a little kick just to get started. But can you tell your neighbor, get out of the boat, 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 get out of the boat. I know in our lives, I had so much fear. And I would tell you, I think that's the biggest reason why people don't get out of the boat is because fear keeps us locked away. See, I, I just, man, the Holy Spirit, I think, has even guided me to say this, that I believe there's some people in this audience today that there's some dreams in your heart that you haven't even whispered to another human being because there's so much fear around. If you would just say it out loud, what might happen? But I believe that God is going to use today to help you make a step of getting out of the boat and start to walk in the supernatural power of God. Because here's the truth, guys. It's not just pastors. It's not just TJ. It's not just missionaries that are meant to walk in the supernatural power of God. It's all of us. God's called all of us to live that life. So here's the awesome thing. Jump in. It's fun. It's amazing. And God can do some incredible things through you. I'll be 43 this year, and if I died today, my life has gone so far beyond what I expected it to be because I traded my dream in for God's dream, and I was willing to say yes. So, I, and I, I just say, you know, look, we've had the, the ability and the privilege of leading a team that cares for more than 20,000 kids every day that feel like they've been thrown away by the world around them to help them understand God's purpose and plan for their life. We've had the ability to help plant 42 churches in six different continents over the last, you know, the last 17 years and seen miracles. We've seen people healed. We've seen people delivered. We've seen demons cast out. We've seen all kinds of incredible things. We've seen young people walk out of the junk of their past and experience all that God has for them. But what if we would have said no? What if we would have just stayed in that boat? So I say that today to not brag on me, but to brag on God, because he wants to do even bigger things through you. I believe that with all my heart. <clears throat> but I know that there's an enemy to our soul that would like to kill all of that. And I know that fear is something that's very real. And I, I remember as I was getting ready to go to, to Africa, we were preparing. And I just remember all the reasons why, you know, I shouldn't do that. I don't know these people. I, I'm not from Africa. I don't know very much about this. God, why would you pick like some white boy like me that can't even dance to go to Africa. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But then I, I really wrestled with the fear because we had a little three-year-old at the time and an 18-month-old. And I remember learning about witch doctors in this part of the world that said, if you will rape a virgin, a little child, then you'll be healed from AIDS. What a heinous lie. But that fear crippled me. I'm like, God, how could you possibly ask me to take my children into something like that? I think there's a picture. That, I mean, that was my daughter. And God used this scripture and some of the points I want to share with you today to help me get past that fear and to take the step out into the supernatural and see God take, provide and take care of us and, and work through us. And so I, can I just take a couple minutes and share some scripture with you today that I believe is going to help you? Can you say, oh, yeah? Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 14. I'm just going to jump into this real quickly. This story is about my boy Peter. I love the apostle Peter. Anybody else kind of say something before you think about it? You kind of jump before you think, oh, here, Peter is like our apostle. So Matthew chapter 14, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people, 
And then this story kind of comes, and I'm just going to read it to you quickly. It says this, immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat. Who put the people in the boat? Jesus. Okay, we're going to come back to that. And crossed to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills to pray by himself. Night fell, and he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Just to remind you, these weren't Iowans. These were like Floridians. They knew how to do boats. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Fear always causes us to see things differently than the real reality. Now, I just want to take a little pause here for just a second. Now, <clears throat> there's a, a version of the Bible called the Amplified Bible that kind of tells you a little bit more about what's going on or kind of unpacks the Greek. Well, I have the Ben Amplification. It's my imagination. Does anybody else have an active imagination? So I just kind of imagine this boat and the wind and waves coming and these 12 disciples all kind of freaking out. And I, you know, I think about the different personalities like Thomas, you know, the doubter. He's probably like, we're going to die. You know, and then there's probably Judas sitting there calculating on his calculator like this is going to be the insurance loss if we lose this boat. And then there's the good old boy John, the, John, the beloved. He was like, would someone just come give me a hug? <clears throat> okay, the Bible doesn't say any of that. That's just Ben. Okay. But Jesus spoke to them once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. Peter went over the side walking on, or, uh, of the boat and walked on water. Now, just stop for just a second. Last time I checked, even in Florida with all the water, people don't go walking on water. Okay, just saying. Walk, got on the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately, we're going to come back to that word immediately, reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him, saying, you really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So I read that story to you because I want to unpack a couple points that God shared with me that really helped me kind of get to the place where I was willing to step out of the boat, and I hope they're going to help you. So number one is this. Number one is this. Jesus put them in the boat, right? We read that. Who put them in the boat? Jesus put them in the boat. So because I know sometimes in whole, like the whole Christian thing, that we kind of feel like if we just accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we start living our life for him, it's smooth sailing, right? No more problems. Like, there's going to be money in our checking account when we were in debt before. Like our marriage is going to miraculously be healed. Our demon children are going to turn to angels. Like our terrible family is just going to start loving us and showering us with love. Our boss is just going to promote us. And like everything that is possible, good, is going to happen. Now, I do say that there is a blessing to living for God, yes. But the Bible also promises us that there are many trials and tribulations for those of us that follow Jesus. And I would tell you that I believe Jesus is more, more concerned with our faith and our ability to run into situations that are difficult instead of running away from them like everybody else in the world than he is about our happiness. Now, some of you are like, wow, I thought this was going to be an encouraging message. Where are you going with this, Ben? Well, I'm telling you this, guys. I believe a lot of the places where God's asking us to step out of the boat are running. I think about the uh, September 11th firefighter. Everyone else ran out. He ran in. That's what God's called us to do as believers. When, when the chaos is ensuing, when everything else is falling apart, God's called us. We're the special unit. We go in. 
But we can't do that if we don't recognize that Jesus puts us in the boat sometimes to send us into a storm so our faith can grow. Can you say, oh, yeah. Number two. Number two, I want to camp here for just a second. But this, fear causes us to see a false reality and miss opportunities. Fear. We have an enemy to our soul. The Bible says he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe that our enemy uses fear masterfully to keep you pushed down, to keep you subservient to below everything that God has for you. And I believe that when you make fear-based decisions, you're always going to miss things that God, God intends. You know, we have a saying in our family, no, no decision is a good decision if it's fear-based. But, I, you know, when I was growing up in Iowa, and, and uh, you know, I kept, keep expecting guys to kind of laugh at that, the whole growing up in Iowa thing. But we had a lot of elderly people, I mean, mature citizens, I mean, um, older people that have a lot of life experience. Let me say it that way. Okay, I'm trying to be politically correct here. But I remember they kept saying things to me that deeply impacted me. I kept hearing this phrase, these phrases over and over again. I wish I would have. I should have. I missed it. You know what? In between those people saying that to me and God speaking to me in this message, I made a determination in my spirit that I would rather spend the I would rather step out of the boat and drown than spend the rest of my life wondering what it was like to walk on water. Because here's what I wonder. Those other 11, this is what God showed me. What about the other 11? You know, what did they think for the rest of their life? Did they kind of sit back and wonder what was it like to walk on water? Did they ever, like, get to the edge of the boat and kind of put their foot out just a little bit to see, hey, does that thing really work? But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to use you to do something supernatural to impact your world and to impact our world. But the question is this, is this going to be the year that you stay in the comfort of what you know and what what you've already experienced, or is it going to be the year that you step out? Because I remember my father-in-law saying something to me that also deeply impacted me. Lifetime missionary, he'd done things I can't even imagine. And he'd say, young man, I want to tell you something. Most people in America will complain their whole life that they've never seen the power of God active in their life. And I said, well, why is that, Pops? And he said, he said, young man, I'm telling you that most people will never get to the edge of what is possible for them. Because if you want to see the power of God active in your life, then you need to get out there where you need it. What truth, what truth, what wisdom he was sharing with me. And I just share that same thing with you, that, you know what, if you want to see the power of God, you want to see God do some incredible things, and I don't care if you're 75 years old. You know, as a matter of fact, I actually think if you're 75 years old, there might be more of God's power available to you then than when you're 16. But I, I'm just telling, I, that's for somebody. There's somebody that's like, maybe God's plan has passed me by. No, it has not. God's still knocking at the door saying, is it time? It's time to get out of the boat this year. Come on. 50 years you've been saying, no, this is, the, this is your year. But I'm just telling you, it's about getting out of the boat and stepping out into all that God has for us because it is such a powerful thing. And I, I want to just bring up the scripture, James 4.17. And <clears throat> Pastor TJ may have to deal with this a little later, but I just want to put this out there. The Bible says this, James 4.17. It doesn't get talked about a lot, but it says, remember, it is sin to know what to do and to not do it. So if God's calling you to take a step out and you say, ignore, snooze on the God alarm, you know what? The Bible calls that sin. Well, oh, you know what? Pastor TJ will talk about that later, so I'll I'll leave that for him. But I just want to encourage you, don't let fear stop you one more day from stepping into all that God has for you. Number three, number three, this is really strong. Our focus determines our fate. 
Our focus determines our fate. Here's what I mean by this. We go back to our story, and I remember reading about Peter, and as long as Peter's eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was looking into the eyes of Jesus. He was walking on water. He was doing the Super Bowl shuffle on, on, on the lake. But what happens? The wind, the waves start hitting him in the face. Water starts running down his brow. And all of a sudden, his attention starts to shift just a little bit. And he starts to pay more attention to the storm around him than the supernatural power of God that's in front of him. Church, I, I want to tell you this. What we focus on determines our fate. So i got to teach you a little something about worship here real quickly, okay? Worship is so much more than what happens right here. This is amazing. This helps us so much to kind of lay everything down. But worship is a lifestyle, okay? And this is what I mean by this. Some of you are like, well, worship, I'm not a singer. I don't play an instrument. It has nothing to do with music. Worship has to do with what is your focal point. Now, some of you are like, okay, this sounds like Middle Eastern, okay, or, or you know, Hindu or something. No, no, no. Here, here's the point, and I have good news for you. If you know how to worry, any worriers in the house, anybody worry about things? What is worry? Worry is literally, if worry is worship. It's just worshiping a problem. Because what do we do in worry? We focus on the problem over and over and over and over and over again. What happens to the problem? It gets bigger and bigger. Psychologists tell us something like 70 to 80% of what we worry about will never come true. Well, the great news is if you just switch your focus from the problem, the wind, the waves, and you focus it on the supernatural power of God that created you, the universe, everything that is in it, then you know what? It's easy to jump over. Man, you jump head first. And like, come on, let's do this thing. What's your focus going to be? That will determine your fate. Maybe, maybe 2017 your focus was on some problems. Maybe those problems are still there. Let's leave them in 2017 and let's get our focus on Jesus. Can you say yes? Our focus will determine our fate. <clears throat> Last one is Jesus saves those that are sinking. Jesus saves those that are sinking. This might actually be my favorite point because I make a lot of mistakes. Anybody else in the house ever make some mistakes in life? Well, good news, good news. <clears throat> Not only do we serve a God that wants to empower us to step out and to do something maybe we've never done before, he's also willing to save us when we start to, when we start to make a mistake, when the wind and waves get our attention and we start to get our, our focus on ourselves and we start to see problems and we start to doubt God and we start to sink. A heartfelt, authentic cry for help always gets our God's attention. And I love how the Bible says, uh, you know, as we're reading this story, you know, Peter starts to sink and he, he cries out, save me, Lord, he shouted. And I love this. It says, Jesus immediately reached out. Now, I'm telling you, if I was God, I would have been, and this is one of my kids, my, my employees, I would have been like, hey, you just need to swim in the water a little, a little bit. Like, drink some water, hang out with the fishes. And when you're about passed out, then I'll pull you up and be like, did you learn your lesson? But that's not the God that we serve. The God that we served wasn't concerned so much about the lesson. He was concerned about the person. Ah, you're crying out. Here, let me set you back on the path that I've called you to. Keep going, buddy. You got this. I got your back. That's the God that we serve. I'm so thankful. I'm so, so thankful that Jesus saves those that are sinking. Because I know a huge fear that keeps us from stepping out of the boat is the fear of failure. That doesn't have to be a fear that controls you anymore. 
Because failure is, is not finality with Jesus. He's going to continue to help you as you make mistakes and as you navigate some of those things. As 2018 becomes the year of stepping out of the boat, I want to just remind you about something. This decision to step out of your boat impacts so many people. It impacts your spouse, your future spouse. It impacts your kids, your future kids. It impacts generations to come based on your decision that you make today. It impacts this church. It impacts this community. It impacts our entire world. South Africa, Tubalisha, South Africa is forever changed because of a decision some of you made to say, I'll get, in, I'll get out of my boat and make a difference. Come on. That's what's hanging in the balance here, guys. This isn't just about us. And so as I talk about, as I talk about this in regards to the, 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 the difference here and getting out of the boat, I think that means something different to everybody in here. I, I do. I believe maybe it's the courage to step out of the boat and, and reconcile a relationship. Maybe it's about starting a business. Maybe it's about writing that book. Maybe there's a song that needs to be written. Maybe there's a ministry that you need to be involved in. Maybe you need to try out tithing. Whatever it is that God's calling you to step out to do, don't let fear stop you one more day because fear is robbing you from your destiny. And like I said, there's a lot of other people that depend on you to, to step out. And so I want to encourage you. I don't know what that means for each and every one of you, but I also know that this whole message about reaching out, you know, guess who are the hands and feet of Jesus? If you're a follower of Christ, that's you. And that means that we have an incredible calling and even a responsibility to be the hands to reach out to people that are hurting around us. And because someone just like you, I want to finish up by sharing a story, because someone just like you was willing to reach out to help some kids in a part of the world that they didn't even know, it had a tremendous impact. And I wanted to share the story of a young man named Moses with you quickly as we finish up today to show you the power of getting out of your boat. Because, see, Moses lived in a part of the world where human trafficking, where drug cartels and gangs, they flourish. And they flourish because of one reason. They flourish because there's so many people, so many children, not people, so many children that are in desperate circumstances and situations that they love to step right in when kids are vulnerable. And that was the case for Moses. Moses' dad abandoned him uh, and his family when, he was very, when Moses was very young, and his mother was really the chief caregiver of the family. And so as life went on, Moses had dreams. He went to school. He was doing well. But... <clears throat> Moses' mom got sick. Oh, no, now what? Moses, you know, he's 14, 15. Now he's being depended upon to be the, the chief breadwinner for his family and get medicine for his mom and food for his brothers. So the drug, the, the, the drug gang in the community realized that, and they reached out to him and said, hey, we're going to help you. Just take this package from right here. If you just take it across town and deliver it for us, here's some money for some medicine for your mom. Here's some money for some food. So he didn't want to do that. He understood what this was about, but he didn't feel like he had any choice. So he did it, and he kept doing it, and he was providing barely for his, his mom and his, his brothers. And then eventually they said, hey, why don't you become a lookout for us? Here's a cell phone, and if you see anything going on, you see the police coming or a rival gang, give us a call and let us know. And as he was doing that, he witnessed several brutal murders, and he's like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. But they kept drawing him in to the point where they said, okay, Moses, it's time for you to get a gang tattoo, a gang tag. 
And I just want to tell you guys what that means because it literally is the seal of death for these guys. They, they have no choice because a gang tat in this part of the world means that if a police officer sees you, they instantly take you to prison. No trial, no questions, prison for the rest of your life. If you ever try to get the tattoo removed, it's even worse. Not only will they murder you in a brutal manner, they will also do that to your entire family. It literally is a place of almost no return. So he said, please give me a couple days to think about this. This is a big decision. And because, again, because people like you made a decision to get out of their boat, sponsor a child. There was a care point working through a local church in the community. And as he's walking through the community, he heard kids playing. And he, he wandered over there and saw kids eating and wandered in. And they gave him a plate of food. And they said, hey, you know, what's your name? Tell us your story. And as Moses started to share his story a little bit, he just started to break down crying and sharing about the horrible decision he faced. And they said, you know what? We believe, we serve a God that loves you and cares for you. And so right then and there, I think we have a picture of Moses. He accepted Christ. But not only did he accept Christ, but the care point, because of the kind of some of the, the programming that they have to help him with job skills, he was able to get a kind of a part-time job working in a, uh, an architectural office, office. And they were able to provide for him uh, so that he could have a way that honored God and honored his family and how he was making income. Here's the cool part, is this keeps on giving. Like I said, when you make the decision to get out of your boat, it doesn't just impact you, it impacts other people. He's been winning more people to Christ that are gang, or young people just like him that are gang members, that are just getting ready to make that decision. He's literally pulling them back and saying, hey, I want to tell you about a God that I serve that is even bigger and stronger than any gang you could be part of. His life has forever been changed, and he's going to keep on changing lives because someone like you made that decision. So today, I just want to throw this out to you. I don't know what God's calling you to do to step out of your boat, but I'd like to ask for your help because we have 66 kids. I think it's like 50 kids now from, from Tubalisha and Aventure, the, or uh, Tubalisha and Tajikistan. This is an area in South Africa that literally is forgotten about. Because there, there's a lot of people there that South Africans would consider mixed-race people. And so they're, they're literally marginalized. The kids are forgotten about. But as Coastal Community Church, you've said, hey, nobody's forgotten about. Nobody's a throwaway. And many of you are sponsoring kids there. And I want to ask you today, would you consider helping us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to reach out to these kids? You know, I'm going to ask big. I am. I'm going to ask big. Some of you are like, oh, boy, here comes the financial thing. Yeah, I'm going to ask you for some finances. Because we need $39 a month. That helps provide the food like we gave Moses. The kids every day get a meal. It helps provide for the medical care and the educational assistance for the kids. It helps make sure that we do a kids club for them every week so they learn, learn about the love of Christ and about God's plan for their life. And as they're older, just like Moses, it helps us with job skill training so they don't have to go to a human trafficking ring and sell their bodies simply to survive, but they can actually get a job. That's what it takes. But I'm going to ask for more than that. I'm going to ask that you would actually kind of adopt these kids into your family by sending them letters and maybe even going on a trip. We have a sign-up sheet. I think even this afternoon we have a, a coastal community trip that's, that's getting ready to go to South Africa this, this coming summer. I'm going to ask you to step out of your boat in a radical way. And some of you would say, hey, well, Ben, I'm already sponsoring a kid. I would say thank you. You know the impact you can have. Would you consider helping us with another? Because these kids are really in some desperate situations. So I'd love for you to take a look at this video because this is one of your own. This is a young lady from Coastal Community Church that literally stepped out of the boat by sponsoring a child and went on a trip. And I want you to hear her story of how it changed her life and the impact that God had through her.
Hi, my name is Melissa, and I sponsor a child named Sibu Siso. I started attending Coastal Community Church back in July of 2014, and a couple months later, Children's Cup actually came and visited our church and did something very similar to what they're doing this weekend, and they set up tables and gave us the opportunity to sponsor a child. Now, I've been to different Christian conferences and concerts where they've presented that opportunity, but what really stuck out to me and that I found was unique about Children's Cup is the fact that they partner with a local church in Af Africa or Latin America, and then they find a local church here in the United States and connect the two together. So I've always had a heart for missions, so me hearing that already thinking, you know, like, oh, I really want to go on a mission trip to South Africa when it presents itself. I'll be able to see the child that I'm sponsoring. So after service that day, I went out to the tables and started looking at all the beautiful kids' faces. And, you know, for quite a while now, I've had this longing and this desire to have a child, specifically a son. So with that in mind, I knew I definitely wanted a boy. And then I started looking to see if anybody had my date of birth. And then my favorite number is 10. And when I saw him, and I saw that he was 10 at the time, and then when I read his bio, it stated that when he grows up, he wants to be a police officer. And my father is a retired police officer. So that's what drew me specifically to him. So leaving that day, you know, once I started sponsoring him, Children's Cup really encourages you to, to write your sponsor child. And I have to admit, I was a slacker. And one month went by and two months went by and I hadn't written him yet. I'm horrible at the written word. I wish I could have just sent him a text message. Um, but fast forward to, I don't know, I'd say six or seven months later, I had the, the unbelievable opportunity to be able to go with our church on a mission trip to Tubalisha, South Africa, and I was able to physically meet my son for the first time. Meeting Sibosiso was, so many different emotions came over me, because as I said, you know, I've wanted to have a son for a while now, and when you go over there, the jellies, the bomaki, they all refer to your sponsor child as your son or your daughter. So it was like this longing and this desire that I had for so long had been filled, you know, and they got us together so we could spend some one-on-one -on -one time with our sponsor kids. And he was so shy, complete opposite of me. <laughs> um, he didn't say a lot at first, but as time went on, um, and with the help of our translator, we started to build this incredible bond and relationship. After that trip, and then, you know, after getting to physically meet him, that definitely encouraged me to start communicating with him and to start writing him. And I had put a big photo album together of all these pictures that him and I had taken together while I was there visiting and actually sent that back over um, with Jasmine when she got to go the following summer. I've wanted to go back every year since going that first year in 2015. 
It wasn't my year in 2016, but I felt um, like a comfort and a peace about God calling me back to South Africa in 2017. So our first day at the CarePoint Center, after finishing a wellness presentation, I saw my son in the distance and he was speaking to a woman at the fence that goes around our CarePoint Center. And after he got done speaking with her, I was like, hi, Sebasiso, remember me? Told him how much I missed him and how much I loved him and cared about him and asked him if I could take a picture with him because I was so excited. And then I said, is that your mom? And I walked over to the fence and I was like, hi, are you Sebasiso's mom? And her response was, hello, Melissa. And I was blown away that she knew who I was before I had even introduced myself because of the letters and the pictures that we've been sending back and forth to each other over the past year and a half. I invited her into the CarePoint Center and I was able to ask her a couple questions and then I asked her if there was anything that I could pray for her about. And I kind of got the gist of what she was trying to say and then in that moment my spirit was just like pray for her like don't let her walk away pray with her right now so I had the incredible unique opportunity to pray holding hands with the child that I sponsor and his mom that was an experience and a moment that I will never forget that will be forever etched in my heart and you know I just want to encourage you if you have any desire to sponsor a child or to go on a mission trip or both I highly highly encourage you to do so it is something that I promise you you will not regret and it'll make such a difference in your life